welcome to the Virtual Vibes on Tollywood Street. Uh, I am Connor, also known as Tech Romancer Online. I'm here with my co-host Levi, fellow gamer, also known as How About Anarchy on Steam. Yes, sir. <laughs> uh, and multiple other games, for that matter. Um, so, decided to keep it pretty small uh, for this initial episode, just the two of us, just because first off, it was less problems to go through with the recording. And uh, also just to kind of get a feel for the format and to also allow us to take some time to drum up ideas on uh, future episodes, things like that. We have a couple more people who uh, will be joining us and will hopefully be regulars uh, in coming coming podcasts, you know, once we get everything kind of set in stone and we figure out what we like and what we don't like and then just kind of go from there. So, yeah, so uh, this uh, this episode we decided to kind of Crack open the nutshell, I guess the can of worms, that is um, basically the relationship between gamers and developers. Uh, in a particular case that I think uh, is a pretty good uh, example of this is Cyberpunk 2077 by CD Projekt Red. So it's been pretty much all over like the news, stuff like that, for uh, like, you know, circulation in news. Uh, in regards to gaming and the release yeah, of the that, very very highly anticipated release of Cyber to- pardon me Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven mm-hmm. and how it has failed to meet the very high expectation, right? And you know, it, the beauty of this topic is that there really is no one answer to it. You know, it's um, you definitely have to approach it with many different angles and many different like perspectives to really get an idea of all of the different factors that they come into uh, this whole situation. Now I've played cyberpunk. I have, I think maybe five to 10 hours on it. I haven't touched it since like the first couple of weeks. And I know that between the last time I played it and like now there have been a couple of updates and patches and stuff like that. Um, but the general idea for, you know, people who may not be so informed about it, cyberpunk 2077 was, uh, a highly hyped up game. It was announced, I think, back in 2012, 2013, something like that. And it was only like in the last couple years before uh, it released um, was when we started to really see news of it, like the, you know, the story, like, you know, the different mechanics, cyber, like CDPR, uh, CD Projekt Red, you know, really began to like amp up like the advertising and say like, you know, you know, you can truly like live out the, uh, the night city like life i don't remember what the name of the city is but like you know city life different lifestyles like you know the choices you make influence the story this big open world concept where there was a ton of possibilities um and then when it finally released uh it's just in the following like days up to weeks after that it was just inundated with just you know complaints about bugs and about the fact that it was rushed uh put out too early and uh it got a lot of heat for it, you know, probably, probably right now I could probably go back to it and notice that there's a ton of improvements, but you know, kind of with that, that's kind of my general, like that's the general context of it. Uh, and so I wanted to get your opinion on kind of the whole thing about, um, you know, who do you think is like the, you know, the sole proprietor of this responsibility for why in this example, cyberpunk 2077, uh, failed to live up to its hype. That it's 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 a it's a very very good question in the regard that um, obviously as previously uh, mentioned 
that Cyberpunk 2077 was just riddled with bugs. It was just, when it was released, it was not a complete product. It was not, it was not polished. It was not, you know, it, it just wasn't, it wasn't quite there. And I think, I think a problem with that is, um, is because of how far, you know, our, our technology has come since, you know, back in the good old days where you, you know, go down to GameStop, buy a little, you know, card for your Nintendo DS, plug it in. And you're just, you're just good to go. Like you, there's no updates. There's, there's nothing. And then you've got, got all these games that are, you know, Cyberpunk 2077 is a perfect example where it's, you know, all hyped up and it's, you know, it looks like it's going to be good. And in like the snippets you've seen, it's going to be fantastic and it's going to be so fun. And then it comes out and it's just riddled with bugs and it's incomplete and it just ruins the experience. And I think that's because they think, well, you know, oh, these people are, they're, they're just fussing, you know, we're going to just give them, give them something for now and then we'll fix it later. But I think the responsibility falls to the developers and the testing crew in particular to make sure that when you're putting something out, you should put out something that you're proud of and that doesn't require a hundred gigabyte update, you know, a week after launch. Like that's, that's not what I want. I don't want to go to the store, spend 70, 60 bucks, whatever it is on a game and then play it, not enjoy it. And then, you know, if I'm going to try it again, I have like 200 gigabytes of updates. Like I'm not, I'm not about that. That just, I'd rather, I'd rather have a game. I'd rather buy it. I'd rather it have be on obviously preferably if it was a perfect game that never had any updates, that'd be, that'd be fantastic. But obviously that's just not a reality in the current yeah. state that uh, we were in. Yeah, given uh, the, the gaming climate today, you know, right. compared to like, you know, you know, my dad, he has played every single Halo game. Uh, pretty sure that was one of the first games that he played when the original Xbox came out back in 2001. Uh, and I didn't get to play it until it was remastered and re-released um, on Xbox One uh, for the Master Chief Collection. When I finally played that game, you know, that was, you, at that time it had to be a complete game. You know, there wasn't updates for that sort of thing. I mean, there was like a platform for multiplayer, but for the most part, Know, at that day and age, you know, with any con any platform, any sort of game, it had to be done, like completely polished, everything like that. And it was just, you know, you know, as a developer, you were you were given this deadline to say, hey, we want to release it by this date for like the holiday season or whatever. That game had to be like done. Like there was, you know, there was no room to like come back and, and update it and, and patch it because the technology for that didn't really, I wouldn't say it didn't exist, but it certainly wasn't in the form that it is today so right it wasn't optimized for sending out all these packets of data so that you can play a game that should have been finished mm -hmm. at launch it's yeah it's you know there's there was no like cloud or like any sort of like you know digital like drive or any sort of means to for the developers to update the game and then have that version like automatically shipped out or and like update like you know from you know their system and everything like that with this case you know cyberpunk's patches um, mm -hmm. and so I kind of wanted to break it down a little bit into a couple of different, you know, a couple different, you know, sides, you know, as far as how the game lives up to its expectations and basically how the developers or how I shouldn't say developers, I should say like the company's management team and like all that, you know, the people who are in charge of pre-production, all that stuff. Cause as a production major, like they emphasize like the three different phases, you know, like pre-production, production, and post-production. There's two sides of this coin, you know, there's the, you know, the people putting out the content and then there's the people that receive the content. Uh, right. and so to kind of follow up on this point from like the developer side of things, 
there was a former CD Projekt Red developer who he wished to remain anonymous. This was, uh, I can't say exactly when this was posted, but essentially, uh, you know, this developer, he had quit CD Projekt Red and he decided to just make a post about how the development team went about um, working on the game when the, the deadline, you know, got closer and how the management team essentially reacted when they realized that they couldn't get the results they wanted, you know, in that time that they had set aside for themselves. The game in reference to mm-hmm. Cyberpunk 2077. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. But just, I'll try and paraphrase it just a little bit. Uh, so it says, not only, yeah, CD Projekt developer here, uh, we asked, what's the plan if we can't deliver on the set deadline? And up until December, the answer from management was, we have to, there's no plan B. And I'm assuming that this was when it was uh, delayed from October to December, um, when it first, like, when it finally released in December. So this first year crunch there, of course, first a two-month delay and then another six months of delay. And to give a picture on how long the level of how low the level of communication is between management and developers, we found out both times on Twitter and other social platforms that the game was being delayed with a mail from management following a few hours later. So people were finding out that it was being delayed before the developers even knew. And it says people getting riled up right now about the crunch, just so you know, many people have been spending the weekends in the office and doing 16 hours per day pretty much since June of 2019, some departments even as far as a year prior. Every time this was addressed, you'd get the usual copy-paste spiel about we're fueled by passion, we're rebels, this is not for everyone and other such copy-paste slogans, which was a cool way to say we have no idea what we're doing, but we have infinite cash and we fix everything with more crunch. So basically, they were working their developers like pretty hard, and they put in a lot of hours, like 16-hour days, and they were limited to 48 hours of overtime, so they were expected to put out a lot more work for... And they weren't being expected paid to, work. Yeah, they weren't being paid. They're expected to create more without the financial compensation. Yeah, exactly. And the fact that I don't think I think I might have just glossed over this part, but the pre-production team, like that pre-production phase, they overstayed their welcome with that. They stayed in pre-production for too long. Um, and I can tell just you know being in the video production field, you know, in college, pre-production is extremely important. You know, obviously you want to know like what the story of the game is. Uh, you want to know. Like, you know, what different, what mechanics do you want to incorporate and what's the best way to go about achieving, you know, any other goals and stuff like that. Uh, But eventually you have to move into the production phase in due time. And then based off of that timeline with how long it's going to take to develop this, coordinating with different departments and then, you know, figuring out what's going to go on in post-production, which I don't know if post really exists. I guess in the case of like patches, stuff like that, that's post-production. In a sense, like... You know, production, you, it can't just be, like, fly it, like, off the cuff. It doesn't work that way, and quality is going to suffer. So, right, yeah. So, again, I'm not blaming the developers for anything like that. They are literally the ones who, like, management is just saying, okay, we want this, that, and the other, and we want it by this time. And, you know, this Reddit poster, uh, who, again, doesn't identify himself, basically just said, you know, we had no choice. You know, management said, you know, we have to have things done by this certain date. And, you know, they're working us, like, metaphorically, like, to the bone for that so right so again in that whole entire thing the the game's quality is is obviously going to suffer for that because development they don't have a set plan because management hasn't given them that plan i i think it's things like that that make the game like and I, we're using cyberpunk 2077 as the main example but i feel like things like this uh, are also an important thing to think about with other games and they're not management's not coordinating their 
you know, there's levels of incompetence, you know, some more than others. But overall, like CD Projekt Red, I think they're a fairly respectable company just because I love The Witcher 3. That is like their, like, pride and joy. I love that game. To it's death. their flagship yeah. brand. Mm -hmm. Well, they've developed all The Witcher games, um, and I can kind of delve into that a little bit more later. Um, but I just wanted to also get your thoughts on that too, like on the developer side of things. I think you really hit the nail on the head where it's, it's the management. There's some mental disconnect somewhere where it's like they're saying, well, we need to have this game out by, out by this date. Once there's a lot of anticipation around the release of a game and it is clearly not ready for launch when it's launched, I would so much rather have the, just kind of the, uh, a come on again of a, another development delay versus in the case of Cyberpunk 2077. Granted, I have not played that game. I have no intention of playing that game. It just doesn't interest me. From what I've heard from other people is that obviously very buggy, not just not a finished product. And I would so much rather have to wait an extra month or so. And actually, you know, once I buy a game that I've been wanting, and I play it, and I'm like, this is so much better than I, you know, this is just, it's just a very good game, and I'm very, very happy with this, versus you are waiting since, like, 2012, or whenever it was announced, you're waiting eight years for a game, and then you get it, and you play it, and you download it, and the anticipation, and then the letdown when there are game-breaking bugs that just ruin the experience for everybody and can turn people off to the game entirely. Mm -hmm. And so I think that the mental disconnect there is between management and development, where either development, they're not out of the woods, development needs to be more vocal about, hey, you can't rush this. If you want a good playable product, you're going to need to give us more time. That's your job. And then management also needs to have better communication in the regard of asking development saying, hey, do you think we can have it by this deadline? Or can we kind of put out there like say, hey, we may, you know, we may delay more, we may not, who knows, don't get your heart set on it releasing at this exact date. So I, I, I do think that there is a dynamic where both parties are to blame. And I think partially too, some of the blame can fall to the consumer because, and granted, Cyberpunk 2077 is an oddity in the regard of the developers, the developing company announced the game and then didn't release it for eight years. And then once it was released, it was not so great. Yeah, it it raises questions like, you know, you've had a like a little over a handful of years to figure this game out. Like you've had it announced and you you said that you had a plan for it, you know, and you have people who enjoy like your previous product and there's like in a there's a preset level of confidence and like in this case it's like CDPR, you know, and it's there's a certain trust that's almost like developed between like, you know, the consumer and the developer. With the case of cyberpunk is, you know, it makes people ask questions like, what were you doing this entire time? Right. You've you know? had eight years to work on this game and you release something that is buggy and unplayable mm -hmm. after, after leading your fan base on for eight years. They can't even use the, well, this is an ambitious, uh, this is a very big ambitious undertaking. It's like, no, you look at, at companies like Rockstar, for example, where they've released Red Dead Redemption, GTA 5 these games that are huge and fantastic and your actions do have influence in the story but it's like when the anticipation between red dead redemption and red dead redemption 2 i i was very excited for red dead redemption 2 i was stoked when it came out because rockstar they told us hey 
Red Dead Redemption 2 is coming, and then they delivered. They didn't say, yes, Red Dead Redemption 2 is coming, then they waited eight years and released something that was super buggy on launch. It's like, no, they took their time, they were very meticulous about it, and they launched a finished product. Mm-hmm. I don't care what it takes for that product to get finished, but if you're releasing something that is unfinished and unplayable, after especially after eight years of waiting, of leading your fan base on, I, I'm unfair is the wrong word, but irresponsible maybe, mm-hmm. because you've got this loyal fan base who are people who are coming from games like The Witcher Three, as you previously yeah, mentioned. Like it's deceptive in some ways, right? Where it's like it's like, oh, well, these are the people that put out The Witcher. They obviously know what they're doing with games and you know how to write a story and all that. It's just it falls short, and that 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 kind of too just riding on the ultimate disappointment of a game is for me personally is call of duty black ops cold war got released 2020 i believe around november uh, december time obviously just in time for the holidays because you know cash money but the campaign i i enjoyed that campaign it was a very good campaign but the online just and and it may be it may be too that i'm kind of biased towards like the more uh quote-unquote hardcore shooters where like rainbow six where you you have to hit your shots and you can't just sit there and you know, gonna do down for 30 seconds and he can just turn around and just shoot you once in the chest with a sniper. I was like, that's not, that's not for me. No, I, I don't enjoy you're it. You're the last person to see, you know, to see the other person you're done. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Yeah, it's, no, it's, it's games like that. I think Ubisoft has been pretty, I mean, Rainbow Six is not my favorite game of all time. I mean, I can enjoy it to a certain degree, just probably not to the, you know, obviously not the same level as you, but they're, they've done their due diligence and they obviously like they update it and you know, instead of trying to start up all these like new different projects and whatnot, they're they're working on making the ones that already exist, making them good, so that when mm-hmm. years down the line, when obviously like, those games start to lose support, like active like developer support stuff like that, where it's being constantly updated, those games can stand the test of time. Right. And like rainbows. Oh, go ahead. And I'm gonna give CD like CDPR a fair shake on this because with you know Cyberpunk being like the mess that it is. The Witcher 3 was also, you know, it had its fair share of problems when it first came out back in 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have a Reddit post up about this. Uh, you know, and someone comments that says it took a few months for the game to get good. The game was also delayed, albeit only once. So it was still delayed. The game got a UI overhaul and a much welcomed alternative, more responsive movement style after a few months as well. Um yeah, and people don't remember that. People remember The Witcher Three for the good game that it is. That's you know it can stand the test of time. Even you know, I don't think they've ever like I don't think they've touched it in a while. Well, actually, I think they're getting like a I think a higher resolution like PC or no, it was next gen like PS Five and Xbox Series X like overhaul for graphics mm-hmm. and stuff. So they, I mean, they're still working with it in some ways, but not to the degree that they are with Cyberpunk now. I think. You know, CDPR, like, you know, they proved that they were capable of, you know, addressing things that obviously were, you know, not good with The Witcher 3. And people have totally forgotten about that. And now I mm-hmm. I, I got into The Witcher 3 much later, like a good few years that, you know, after it was released. Like 2019 was like when I really started getting into it. And 2020 was I spent a lot of my time in 2020 playing The Witcher 3. Because of quarantine, I'm going to say. Yeah, plus I just, I love the Witcher universe and everything like that. You know, in the mm-hmm. process of reading the books, I've played the uh, the other two games and everything. Uh, just, it's I love the universe, and I think that CD Projekt Red eventually did it justice. 
And with this case, you know, I still hold out hope for Cyberpunk just because my initial like experience with it, I didn't have any game breaking bugs. I mean, there were some cases where, you know, I feel like movement and like combat could have been a little bit smoother and a little bit more like economic. Mm-hmm. But by no means in this, I might have just gotten lucky. Uh, I haven't had any like anything that totally broke immersion or anything like that. But, you know, some hiccups here and there. But obviously I had a general OK experience with it. It's just that the story was lackluster and you can kind of tell that that was rushed a little bit. Right. Um, but, to the de- think- you know, to the degree, I think it's still definitely possible for, you know, CD Projekt Red to work on cyberpunk and you know take the time at you know since it's been out and they don't have like that impending like you know release date coming to put out some meaningful patches you know take some big meaningful steps and making it a good game so that a few years down the line you look back at you know cyberpunk and you don't remember like it's almost as if like these like game breaking bugs like never happened and then it was like it was a good game it's Uh i'm hoping that it's kind of a reoccurrence what happened with the witcher 3 and i think i think too Every game, of course, at launch is going to have its problems. Like, obviously, you know, games like like uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2019 that came out. I loved that game to death, but it had its fair share of problems. <laughs> but the 725 in that game is, and it is still very strong. It is a very strong weapon, um, but it was... Like for a shotgun, which for reference and for reference, it shouldn't be able to kill somebody from across the map, but it did. Yeah. And so that was I saw that footage was of that on YouTube and stuff like that. It was yeah. like it's not a sniper rifle; it's it's, it's a, a shotgun. Exactly, exactly. Um, People got <laughs> mad about that. Oh that. yeah, it was it was so frustrating. Well, because in like the sweatiest lobbies, like. You would be, you'd be, you'd have your M4 or whatever, because that's what I run in that game. And then you just, you'd be tearing shit up, and you're, you know, on a whatever kill streak. And then some dude just comes sliding around a corner, and just hits you once with a shotgun, and there's nothing you can do about it. And so it's very frustrating. But since then, they've, they've nerfed that gun. They've made changes to the overall gameplay. And, and I would consider it a good game now. I don't particularly enjoy it more because I've just kind of fallen in love with the siege kind of games where it's like very you have to be aware of what you're doing and there's a lot of thought behind it instead of just ah run and shoot like it's it's just different i just prefer different games but at launch it had it did have its fair share of problems and i'll be the first to admit that but they've they've changed it and they've put out meaningful patches and updates and it's not by any means innocent of the 100 gigabyte update comment that i was talking about earlier Mm -hmm. because that game I think it's here, let me just google it really quickly. I think it's like 100 something gigabytes, but it I mean it doesn't really matter. Yeah, it's 170 gigabytes. Which for reference what I played on is the PlayStation. And my PlayStation has like 500 gigabytes, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Not quite like a quarter of my uh storage. And Pretty so it's close it's too, though. Yeah. Well, and it's very frustrating when I've got this game that's taking up 170 gigabytes of my storage that is just buggy and not enjoyable to play because of how buggy it is. Mm-hmm. Now, personal opinion alert, trigger warning, I thought the beta was far better than the actual release of the game. The beta, I because they released a free weekend on PS4 for that game, I probably, over that 48 hours, 
I probably stayed up for like 40 hours. That was, I had so much fun playing that beta and I, it got me genuinely excited for the first time in a long time for a game to release. And I, I remember coming home from the movie theaters the day it released and downloading it and staying up and watching that bar slowly crawl across my screen. And as soon as it finished, loading it up and launching right into the first mission of the campaign, like that is a feeling I have not felt in a very long time is just the anticipation of a good game release. And then you have something like, obviously it's kind of our main topic of discussion, like Cyberpunk 2077, where there are these people who like the, the developers clearly know how to make a game. They know how to make it well. And you've given them eight years of just patience and like, I'm so ready for this game to come out. And then it's just the disappointment is it's like you've had you've had eight years to work on this game and make it not buggy. You've done nothing. Well, now that I now that I've broached the topic of Witcher three, I will say that, you know, I wouldn't say that, you know, it hasn't been like their sole like project and everything like between their release, like or their announcement of Cyberpunk back in the early 2010s. Witcher 3 came out in 2015, so obviously a lot of that workload was dedicated to developing that game, and it was once they got that game, like, solidified and, like, set in stone to the masterpiece that it is, in my opinion, today. Then they began to switch focus, which is still a good handful of years between, you know, like, when you start really putting the effort towards Cyberpunk and when it initially released. There's still, like, a pretty big dividend time where it's like, you know, I know pre-production you know, needs its fair share. It needs its due diligence of time. You can't screw around in that. You can't just go and change things here and there because first off, that whiplash is the, the development team, you know, because they're, they're expecting and they're prepping to do like something one way. And then if you decide mm-hmm. to just last second, just say, oh no, we're going to do it this the other way. Oh, and now you're going to work 16 hour days and get no more than 48 hours of overtime. Oh, well, you know, get it released or otherwise it's going to be problems right you know that looks horrible for them like that makes them look horrible like i think part of obviously cd project red is wholly responsible for the release and quality of cyberpunk at release however i do think that part of the blame and and it's not even like oh you because like part of it can fall onto the fans dude where it's like sure y'all have waited eight years for a game and you're entitled to a good game at that point. But at some point, I feel like you are kind of have you have the. You can set your expectations too high because obviously games like The Witcher, Rainbow Six Siege, Cyberpunk 2077 take time, like the open world stuff. It's like every bit of the map. It has to be designed. It has to be created. It has to, you know, it ha- you have to go through and make sure there's no bugs. There's nothing like, you know, nothing game breaking, ideally. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the the consumers are entitled to that, a quality game that is at least playable. But when you're given eight years, sure, I understand the frustration of why we've waited so long for this game. Why is it not like polished at launch? And I understand that, and I think my main point here, I'm, I'm getting sidetracked because of opinions, but my my main point is that the fans tend to overhype games a lot. <laughs> like, for going back to the Modern Warfare 2019 example of 
people were saying, oh my God, is this the best Call of Duty ever? This is this is fantastic. And sure, it's up there. It's a good Call of Duty. But is it the best? Like, really? Like, I don't, I, I think y'all are just kind of being blinded by the fact that it's probably one of the best looking Call of Duties that Activision has released. So that can be kind of, uh, you know, if you just fall in love with the way it looks, Sure, I understand that. That makes sense. I love it when games look good. It makes it it just improves the playability and the immersion factor when games yeah. look good. Visually, yeah, visually pleasing. Like, right. And yeah, I I think you're definitely nailing like, you know, the the nail on the head there. You know, I mean, obviously there is like some responsibility on the developers to, you know, remain transparent, keep their word, and, you know, when management and development teams say they're going to do something, they better do it. Right, but not at the expense of the development team and the fact that like you're overworking them to get something out right. because you screwed up in pre-production. You should have to face up to that. You shouldn't. Yeah, you shouldn't force. You shouldn't force your development team to work sixteen-hour days, pay them only for forty-eight hours of overtime, and yeah, just kind of right. like say, "Hey, I know it's not really possible to release a good polished game in this time, but do it." You know, like yeah. Well, because if you don't do that, you run the risk of having your like your consumer base stockholders totally lose confidence in your ability, and that can cause like giants in this case to CDP like CDPR. I don't think they're in any particular danger of like collapsing. I think they have a pretty mm-hmm. solid foundation with The Witcher's success and other games that they've done. But on the other side of that coin, obviously, is you know the consumers like you and myself and whoever else is listening. Yeah, again, like overhyping the game. Like, and this this can be applied to other forms of media too. Like, think Batman versus Superman, right? Mm-hmm. Back in like twenty six, I think it's twenty sixteen, right? But my main point of that is, you know, you have these people who have you know read the you know DC comics, all that stuff. They know the Batman versus Superman arc and everything. You know, me personally, I I enjoy DC comics. I have read some comics. Uh, I wouldn't say that I'm like I'm a, I'm not a diehard comics fan. But I mm-hmm. do enjoy, like, the Marvel movies. Um, I actually recently ran kind of a semi-marathon of the, the DC movies. I enjoy those, but I think Marvel has them beat, personally. Uh, listeners, don't even at me. Like, Marvel has them beat, but I do know that DC has some pretty, you know, some pretty busting like, cartoons and animations and stuff like that. That They definitely have, you know, Marvel in that fight, so. But yeah, think- and... Yeah, but it's things like that. You have these diehard comics fans. You know, they go to the movie theater to watch Batman vs. Superman. And they find nothing about the movie, like, you know, good in some cases. And I I might just be creating kind of a profile for, like, the most diehard fans. But people come into these theaters with, like, a preconceived notion of how they think, you know, the movie should be. And I think the Star Wars sequel trilogy is also pretty evident of this. You know, you have these people who have this perfect, you know, image in their minds. You know, this is what the perfect, like, Batman versus Superman, or this is what the perfect Star Wars trilogy looks like. They have that image, and if it strays even a little bit from that image, then it totally ruins the movie for them, like, and it's, and it's awful. Now, right, me personally, think... my, my, like, me personally, I do not really care for the sequels. Force Awakens was okay, but only because I noticed that it repeated a lot of the same themes with A New Hope. Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker, I feel like they were kind of just trying to scramble and try and recover the situation more towards, you know, Rise of Skywalker than The Last Jedi. I'd say probably Last Jedi is probably like my least favorite movie in all of them. 
you know, just I could poke many holes in that and I might sound like the kind of person that I'm describing here, <laughs> you know, but I'm not going to throw a fit. If people like it, then it's like, then that's fine. That's whatever. But it's, that's... yeah, like think, I think what I've noticed is that with, you know, in this case with Star Wars, uh, The Last Jedi, you know, people were expecting it to be kind of a mirror of Empire Strikes Back. And I think this was primarily in the demographic that grew up with the original trilogy and people who like, you know, people my age, you know, who grew up with like the prequel trilogy, but also still, I think, prefer the original trilogy. So people who are expecting kind of a mirror of the original trilogy and kind of like the theme and how the general story, like the plot, the plot dynamic, they're right. looking for mirror images of that, obviously, like, you know, people were thinking Empire Strikes Back is supposed to be a lot darker. It's supposed to be like, oh, shit, the bad guys are actually like bad guys, you know. But, you know, and I could I could go on about how I think it fell on his face for, you know, a good while. But the main point that I'm trying to make is that, you know, these people have they're wanting to just they're wanting a recreation of what they grew up with. Right. And Yeah. And they're wanting a recreation. And then like they want this movie to be like, you know, what they have in their head to be made up of like the perfect one. They have the best idea for it. They know where it should have gone. Mm-hmm. Every, I think everybody, to a certain degree, you know, has that instance where they subconsciously think that or believe that for anything. And if it, if right, and that's if it strays anywhere from that, then then it sucks. That's that's kind of what I was trying to touch on too with uh, talking about expectation versus reality of a release of a game, where and and there are people who have certain expectations for games that are released by companies that have all the budget in the world and who just don't like them because they're not what they expected. And that's fine. That's understandable. You cannot like them. And, and granted, it's not like people just, well, I don't, I just don't like cyberpunk. Like it is a buggy game. It is not finished. It should not have been released when it was, but outside of all of that, I think if you are letting a, a shattered expectation in regards to where story goes or mostly where story goes or like how certain things play out. If you're letting that ruin something for you, then that's like, okay, you need to kind of take a step back. But I I understand when you're expecting a game that's at least playable um, and then you're handed something like cyberpunk 2077, that's just a mess. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's kind of, kind of what I was trying to touch on was, it's not all and the because, developers' fault for like the failure right. to meet expectations, because it's like what right. expectations are the consumers setting? Exactly, and I think that's kind of what you're touching on too when you brought up uh, Batman versus Superman. I, I looked it up, and um, and it did come out in 2016. Obviously, not that that's really relevant to the discussion anymore, but um, the IMDb rating, like Rotten Tomatoes and stuff, also came up, and it has a 29% in Rotten Tomatoes which for those of you who don't know is not very good. Um, but they obviously Zack Snyder had an idea and with his trailers set expectations and clearly by looking at the Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb and Metacritic, which I didn't even know was a thing until just now, None, none of them have a higher than a 64%, which is not a passing grade. Yeah, no, um, not at all. <laughs> um, but so I think, I think that part of the responsibility does fall on the fans to not let their imagination run rampant, rampant and be like, well, this is going to be the best game ever. It's going to run. It's going to be perfect. There's going to be no bugs. It's going to be great at launch, yada, 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 no updates, no nothing. It's like, 
No, it's a game. People make mistakes. There's lots of room for human error. And and you need to you need to kind of keep your expectations. You need to look at a, like a development company and see what they've done. And granted, there are outliers like Phasmophobia, like we touched on in a previous uh, discussion. That will probably not see the light of day. It's okay. It's, it's, it's whatever. <laughs> it, it doesn't. I I kind of appreciate that because I felt it doesn't matter. We'll talk about it later. But but like games like Phasmophobia, which and I'm not going to get into why that game is so good because that takes like 50 minutes. We'll retry. Um, we'll, we'll try and reproduce that episode that never saw the light of day because of audio problems. Yeah, because technology. Yeah. Well, it was also just because of my stupidity. <laughs> well, I mean, that really can't be avoided. Oh, hey, man. But... <laughs> no, yeah, but... Fair enough, fair enough. But, like, because uh, Phasmophobia, I think, has a five-person development team or whatever. It's 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 nothing fancy. It's no... It's no you've got hundreds of developers working on it. You've got thousands, of th- thousands and thousands of dollars of budget. It's it's just simply not like that, and there are outliers in every category. Like for example, with uh, CD Projekt Red, they released a game that was not good at start at launch. Like it was buggy and not playable. But then you've got games like Phasmophobia, and you know other kind of quote unquote indie games. I guess you could call them. Yeah, I just looked it up. Uh, according to UploadVR.com, it says you take on mm-hmm. the role of Paranormal Activity Investigator. Despite the scope, the game is actually made entirely by one person who goes by the name really? Nighter. No way. One person? Yeah. That's impressive. What's its budget? Probably nothing, right? I, I, It doesn't specify, but it says, like, speaking in an interview to IGN, D. Nighter said that due to the game's popularity, everyone's expectations are increased, so I'm going to have to reconsider my plans for the game's future. This likely means going beyond the original early access plan, which was to just add a few more maps, ghost types, and equipment. Didn't go into specific details about what further content might be added as the focus right now is on fixing bugs and polishing the existing content. See, that is the kind of approach that I think that, you know, developers need to take is take a note out of D-Nighter's, like, book, you know, Mm -hmm. and, like, you know, adapt his approach. I mean, obviously you want to, you know, keep enough ambition to where you're adding stuff, but don't let, like, the existing stuff, like, fall on its face and not be the best that it can be, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. And this this is one person, you know, and if one person's able to, you know, release such a good game, and also to be fair, also he didn't, you know, they didn't deal with like the the overhype of uh, right you know, games like Cyberpunk. About it. Yeah, it it showed up on Steam one day, and people were like, you know, and it started picking up traction, and it's like, oh my god, this is a really cool game. This is a really cool concept. And you know, they obviously, and, and as the game evolves, and as the developer is working on stuff. You know, it helps to to meter and kind of regulate people's expectations to where it's like, you know, hey, like, you know, there's this type of this is what I'm working on. This is what I'm trying to get done, you know, but obviously don't get ahead of yourself. Like, you know, this takes time and I want to make sure that everything that's already in the game is polished and working so that, you know. It is very right. evident that this guy cares about his game. And and, he, and I think too, in all fairness to Phasmophobia, that it for being a four player survival horror game being released in mid September 
was probably the perfect time he could have launched it because you've got games, you know, like Fall Guys, as as we've talked about in said episode, that will never see the light of day. Um, where it's like it's popular for like a week. It's really fun. It's really it's 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 not cutting edge, but it's it's something new. It's very streamer centric too. Exactly, exactly. It's it's uh, very content friendly. It's very family friendly, and but it it just fell off because it's the same thing over and over and over again. And so we were kind of like dying, and like the Among Us trend was dying, and like everything's kind of dying. And then you just have this little blip on the radar, and you see. It was like beginning of October, I believe, um, when Twitch streamers like, you know, and YouTubers too, like Jacksepticeye and Markiplier and all those, you know, bigger names on the YouTube platform began to start playing it. So it really, you know, gained traction very quickly. Yeah, the Venus um, gaming crew and everything as well. Right, 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 right. And so it, it, to get back to my main point, is that it could not have had a more ideal release time where everything's kind of starting to die off. We're all looking for something new. We're tired of, you know, the games with the bean people, as I like to call them. The We're just the little the, <laughs> the little characters that are not very detailed. It's not a race thing, I promise. No, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I know, it's just, just clarifying for other I mean, people because I'm not a racist. Um, <laughs> I know you're not, and I can vouch for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but so it's it's it was also something different because it has been for me and and granted i don't play a whole lot of horror games outside of i don't know if you consider left for dead horror or not but um i don't i don't play a whole lot of horror games and phasmophobia was just a much needed breath of fresh air especially because in the current state of september of 2020 we were right smack dab in the middle of lockdown and nobody was going anywhere. You couldn't travel. You couldn't go out and do anything without, you know, risking getting some disease. And and so as people were staying inside, looking for things to do and spending a lot of time on the internet. And so when games are starting to die off and become old and unentertaining, when there's something as refreshing as a phas- as phasmophobia, where it's it's a whole new genre coming off of like the kind of detective quote unquote work, I guess, of um among us mm-hmm. you can even call it that it's, it's it's like it's kind of the same idea where it's like you go in the four of you it's cooperative so it's like you know it's pretty the gameplay can be consistent if you're watching the same people on over and over and over again it's just something new and a breath of fresh air and reiterating that it is it could not have had a better release and it is a fantastic game don't get me wrong i love that game to death but in all fairness it was not anticipated it could not have had a better release time just speaking in pretty much all terms it would i mean it it just kind of blew people away because according to the research connor here did just a couple minutes ago it's one person made it which is wildly impressive to me especially because of how much i enjoy playing that game um but yeah not to mention that it's also vr compatible Right, that too. I don't know how the development behind that works. I kind of understand how like development for just standard mouse and keyboard or controller like development is, but I don't even know how to begin with uh, VR. I, I mean, I kind of, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not that smart. Yeah, so. v- VR is enough like content for a whole other episode. Maybe, maybe two. I have no idea. Who knows? But I'm not. I would have to. 
do some educating on that because right. I could not really participate in discussion about that. All right, all right. <laughs> just, yeah. just so you know, not to shoot you down or anything. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. That's no, that's all right. That's yeah, that's that's for another episode. down these virtual vibes no i've i've said i've said my piece and my mom i'm all good to kick it you rest your case <laughs> I, ladies and gentlemen of the jury <laughs> here's why <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, i guess i was trying to advocate for him and just make sure that you know it's known that it's I not faith yeah. In them. yeah yeah they're it's not just, totally out of the woods but they're not like you know right it's not a death right, sentence right. for them and not that we would make that decision at all. <laughs> mm, right. All right. But, well, uh, ladies and gentlemen, and um, any other form of biological being, uh, thank you so much for being part of uh, this week's, uh, the, the initial, the first part uh, of the hopefully very long-running series uh, of Virtual Vibes on Tonglewood Street. Uh, I still think that name should just be labeled as a work in progress, but it works for now. Uh, yeah, thank you guys, everyone, for listening, and uh, catch you later, and keep vibing. See y'all later.